0: Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. It's not a dream. It's not a desert mirage. It's Lord Stanley and he is coming to Washington. Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I'm your host, Greg Young, and uh, happy to be joined by, uh, you know, associate producer at uh, Sirius XM and the uh, host of Chell Squared, uh, Andrew Chelly. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, man. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, I know that uh, you've actually had uh, my site's very own Jason Rogers on your show. Uh, there's probably not going to be any, like, wolf or wolf-related questions here, so I just go warn you right there. <laughs>
1: Uh, good, because uh, he dreams about wolves, I guess, and I yes. don't, so if you have any wolf-related questions, I feel like you should direct that to to him.
0: Yeah, and as far as I know, I don't think we have any Chicago Wolves questions, so I think we're good there. Um, yeah, so uh, so that's exciting. Um, all right, so, Andrew, we were just talking about this before the show, but it seems like there's been about 18 gazillion, bajillion NHL stories that have broken, but- Before we do that, I want to kind of let you introduce yourself a little bit, kind of what's your background in hockey and hockey-related stuff, and uh, what's your podcast about. Yeah,
1: so my podcast is called Chell Squared. My last name is Chelney. I talk about Chell, so it's Chell Squared. There you go. Uh, I've been doing it for about a year and a half now, and it is a hockey podcast about everything, everything in the NHL. So it's not team oriented; it is NHL oriented. And I basically, uh, it's me myself and I. It's one person doing doing the whole shebang, and I get every week uh, record, up edit, and upload every Friday. Uh, and I get a guest to come on every week. We're gonna get Dave McCarthy back on the show tomorrow. He's uh, he's with SiriusXM NHL. Uh, no relation to us. They're up in Canada. We ah. are in New York. Uh, so I do not see him on a day-to-day basis. They are pretty disconnected from the rest of us. Uh, different country. Uh, so I don't I don't know him personally. But he's been on my show before, and I. Uh, I've asked him to come back on the show to talk about this Babcock situation, which we'll get into in a little bit here as well. Uh, and my in terms of hockey background, I mean, hockey is the reason why I went into broadcasting. That's the reason why I graduated uh, Syracuse with a, with a degree in broadcasting. Uh, I played it growing up. I mean, I, I live and breathe this sport, and it is the also the reason why I work in basketball slash football right now. So uh, it's a, <laughs> awesome. it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's exciting, uh, and I and I love what I do.
0: Awesome. That's really cool. That's really cool. All right, let's dive in and let's like start off with the big news. Um, so uh, I also should note to our li- our, our listeners that uh, we will be talking about the Capitals, but this is probably going to be a little more NHL centric of a podcast, uh, reminding kind of of when I've had Greg Wasinski on, you know, that'll be kind of in that vein. So let's talk about the league. And I think the biggest story by orders of magnitude at this point has to be the firing of head coach Mike Babcock, and his replacement with Sheldon Keith. So, I mean, this both seemed like both a shocking move, but also one that we saw coming. So, I don't know, kind of what are your thoughts generally on this? And we'll I'm dive not in more specifics later.
1: I, I'm not surprised by this at all. And I said this on my podcast way back in May when the Leafs got kicked out of the playoffs in the first round against by Boston. Babcock's player deployment... In that series was a joke. It was an absolute joke. He didn't play his top players as uh, nearly as much as he should have played them. The deployment was bad. Uh, the the switching was everything was just not up to par, not up to standard, and that to me was the last straw. And I wa- and I wish Toronto would have fired him then. And I feel like uh, Kyle Dubas w- uh, wishes the same now after their terrible starts of the year. And now it's Almost December, and now Mike Babcock is gone. People, th- some people think it's er- it's early to fire him, and I just and I don't understand yeah, that's that baffling perspective. To me too. I really don't understand. That. I really don't understand where they're coming from here because yeah. the the Leafs have played twenty three games. The, only the Caps have played more in the Eastern Conference. They're out of a playoff spot. They're under 500. They only won nine games uh, in regular. Uh, they've only won nine games in 23 of those games. Only six of them in regulation. Uh, th- these the Senators have more wins. The Ottawa wow. Senators have 10 wins in 22 games. The Leafs have nine in 23. So for me, this is not very shocking at all. The Leafs have what won- the have, the Leafs have also lost five in a row. So that so that doesn't help out anybody in the situation either. So this all cultivates into him fi- into his firing. Yeah. it's not surprising to me. I, I called for it back in May. They waited until now. Fine. Now they're off to a bad start, and now Sheldon Keefe, who's done uh, incredibly well in juniors, incredibly well uh, with the Marlies in the AHL, and now he's got a shot to prove himself again in the NHL.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm intrigued by this too because I think that obviously the the one of the interesting parts of this i mean there and there's 800 interesting parts of the story but i I think one of the more interesting parts is kind of the dynamic between you know the the young brash gm and kyle although actually brash i don't know if it's a word i would use with kyle dubis but you know the the gm obviously kind of the seen as the wonderkind in a way although you know again i kind of wonder about that stereotype at times but you know I think I think it's kind of interesting the dynamic there right you know it, whereas Mike Babcock obviously' a, like a very established good traditional NHL quotes I, I've used I use finger quotes there um and yeah so I think I think that dynamic there is kind of interesting too because I mean you look at a lot of the moves the Leafs made over the summer you know, Whether it's like getting, you know, Tyson Berry and, you know, getting rid of Nazem Kadri is kind of an idea that they were going to be all offense all the time. And you wonder how receptive Mike Babcock actually was to continuing to play that kind of or to, to being open to play that kind of way. So, I don't know, that dynamic at least sounds kind of interesting to me, right?
1: Well, when you play Cody CC 22 minutes a game, yeah. you're not gonna, you're just not going to be very successful defensively. It's just not gonna happen, whether you want it to or not. Yes. If you if you give him that kind of ice time, you're not gonna have a good time. No. You're just not. <laughs> and by continuing to give him that kind of ice time and continuing to play uh, defensemen 20 plus minutes that don't deserve 20 plus minutes, you're asking for something bad to happen. And in this case, a five game losing streak under 500, it doesn't matter if he agreed with Keith or not, at, uh, not with Keith with Dubis or not, at the end of the day, you have to make do with your roster, and yeah. honestly, Mike Babcock had basically an all-star roster, and he still couldn't win a, a single playoff series with that team, and that to me tells, uh, says a lot about his coaching style, more so than it does anything else. I mean, yeah, they played the Bruins a couple of times, they're a great team, I'm not I'm not trying to downplay wow. Boston's ability, because they they're a phenomenal team as we've seen year and year in and year out. But if you're Toronto, at least one of these years, win a playoff series, especially yes. last, especially in the last one where they had it and they lost it. They had it, they gave it away. And so at the end of the day, for Mike Babcock, that that is one of the biggest reasons again why I called for his firing back in May is that you you have all of this. Offense, all of this star-studded power on your blue line Uh, offensively. Freddie Anderson's been playing, uh, has been playing great. Win a playoff series, and he was reason number one they didn't do that in May. And now the Leafs are the Leafs playoff uh, perspective is now kind of up in the air because there are they are four points behind. Uh, they are two points behind Pittsburgh right now for a wild card spot. Philadelphia at 24 points, and the Leafs with 22 right now. So they have to start winning games. And if they yeah. don't do it soon, there's going to be problems in Toronto.
0: I mean, it's... Uh, it's it, What's the saying? It's becoming early late, or it's becoming late early, right? You know, like, it's... Uh, I mean, you know, you look at it, and it's interesting. Like, I mean, if you're in a position like the Leafs are, you know, you're already under the gun in a lot of ways. You know, it's not like... I mean, we always say, oh, you know, October and November hockey can be weird, and I think that's undoubtedly true, but, I mean, these games matter, you know, and it, you, you don't want to be in a position in March where, you know, you're four or five points out, and, you know, all of a sudden, you're stuck, you know, with getting kind of, you know, a lot of teams in front of you getting loser points and everything, and so it's tougher, I feel like, to catch teams in front of you than you think, you know, it's easy, I think, to just go, oh, that's four points, that's two games, but that's not necessarily the the correct, I think, analytical way to look at it, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean Toronto's at 22 points right now. Uh second in the Atlantic is Florida and Montreal with 27. Yeah. They have games in hand on Toronto. So it's it sounds easy. It's just 5 points, right? Yeah. But Toronto's lost five in a row. Florida's been rolling. Montreal isn't picking up points here, even though they've been they've lost three out of their last ten in, over, in overtime slash a shootout. Sure. But they're still, you, even if you still do that, you still rack up that loser point. Yeah. Uh, which some call it a loser point. Uh, you still rack up uh, one point here and there, even if you do take it past the sixty-minute mark of the game. Sure. So for Toronto, if you don't start picking up points any way you can, and very soon. This is going to be a problem. I mean, a lot of fans might point to, okay, well, St. Louis was dead last in January last year, and then they won the Cup. Okay, well, how can you point to me another example of that happening? Yeah, exactly. there's not a whole lot of that happening. No. So, yeah, that was an outlier, but you cannot bank on that happening to your team. You no. just can't.
0: No, 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 no. And, I mean, on top of that, too, like, I mean – the blues were weird too, right? And, and I, I, the Leafs also, the, the tricky part is you can kind of draw an analogy because like both of those teams had an insane amount of talent. But I mean, at the same time, the blues you're looking at, and you're like, man, that team just needs a goalie, right? They need like someone to kind of go on a run. But the Leafs, it's, I mean, it's just been kind of across the board that their stats are down. You know, it's not just that, you know, their goal differential is bad or that they're, you know, kind of, they're, they're, it seems like they're getting caved. And I mean, the last few games that really kind of exasperated things.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you take a look at their schedule, right? Uh, this this whole entire it 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 almost sounds like, or at least it looks like they they just occasionally there's been sparks here and there where they play well. There's been stretches, but for the most part, it just looks like they they give up in big parts yes. of the game. I don't watch every single second on the Leafs. So if this is, if I'm completely off base, well, then tweet me at uh, Chelney Andrew and yell at me if you want. But the, the thing, but from what I understand, from what I've seen out of the Toronto Maple Leafs this season, they play well for a little bit. Uh, and then let's say they give up a goal and it looks like they just crash. They demol- They they just yeah. simply either give up or one thing leads to another and they give up another goal and then another goal and then that's the game right there. So a lot of it has to do – I mean, back, my ba- Mike Babcock uh, is definitely was definitely a problem for the Leafs, but that's also a bigger problem that Sheldon Keefe has to figure out. Okay, well, the Leafs the, that he's now coaching – they have to figure out how to, if they give up a goal, if they give up uh, a couple of bad plays in succession, how to not throw in the towel here. Regroup and figure it out. There's been a lot of times in this season mm-hmm. where the Leafs go down early and they rely on third period to get comebacks. Well, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. You cannot rely on 20 minutes at the end of the, at the end of a game to score three, four, five goals. You nope. you just cannot do that. Particularly if he's shutting game. things
0: down, you know, and it's just tough to come back in the NHL.
1: Exactly. It's tough. I mean, it's tough to come back in any league, honestly, even the the local beer league. It's not it's not easy to come back from a a large deficit in the third period. It's just it's not feasible to do game Mm -hmm. in and game out. So for the Leafs, that that's that's a bigger question that that Sheldon Keefe has to figure out uh, where Babcock I don't know if he exacerbated it or if he did anything that to, to to make it worse or make it better or this and that. But this is a problem for Keith now to deal with how to uh, how to stop your team from going down in a hole early and as is their M O, trying to figure out a way to claw themselves back in their in in that game. Pretty much every game that they've played this season.
0: Yeah. All right. So Andrew, I'm going to read you the top four t- like. The, the Atlantic division, just in general this year, is kind of bizarre, right? Like, I mean, so we have the Bruins in the top spot, which I think we all kind of were like, okay, that, that makes sense, right? Like, you know, you were going to say before the year, like, you had either probably the Bruins or Tampa winning the division, right? So that makes sense. Then the next two, the next three teams are the Panthers, the Canadians, and the Sabres. And frankly, it's not like any one of those teams, I guess the Panthers aside, have played particularly well recently, so... I don't know, like, what do you make of this division at this point? Like, I mean, the Lightning are currently at 20 points, although they only have 18 games played, so they have some games in hand. You figure they're probably going to leapfrog a couple of these teams, but, man, like, a weird-looking division, huh?
1: Yeah, I mean, Boston has been great and they will continue to be great until I guess Bergeron and Rask and Halak retire, which won't be for a little bit. Uh, But Florida, I feel like a lot of people expected this to happen, especially uh, in the beginning of the season where they were uh, a complete disaster. And there's a lot of questions surrounding, oh, well, you know, Quenville's there, Bobrovsky's there, Barkov and Huberdeau are there, Trocek is there, uh, there's finally a team in place. Uh, they signed Strowman to kind of shore up that blue line a little bit. This is going to be a playoff team. And then they stumbled out of the gate, and there's, uh, there's so many questions surrounding this team. And now they kind of picked it up, and with Bobrovsky, playing pretty poorly. Yeah. I mean this yeah, is not a so this, far. this has not be, this is a goalie that won the Vezina yep. for best goalie in the C, in the NHL yep. twice.
0: And a goalie they and are yet, paying $10 million a year if I'm not mistaken.
1: Exa- they they giving they're giving him a fair amount of money. Yeah. I mean this is <laughs> this is not a cheap contract. Nope. And despite his poor play, despite everything that that has been going on in net, but Brovsky, according to Hockey Reference Goals saved above average of negative ten point forty two. So if you were to put an average goal, a league average goaltender, into his shoes and have him play the exact same minutes as Babrowski has on that team, he would have stopped ten around ten and a half more pucks than Babrowski has so far this season. In comparison to his 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 last Vesna year, where he stopped almost thirty three and a half more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sh- more more shots that would have been goals uh, than than a league average goaltender. So this has been an abysmal start to the season for Sergei Bobrovsky and despite that Florida has figured out a way to win hockey games. So that's a lot of uh, give a lot of credit to Joel Quenville yeah. and his staff and that team for they're eleven 11-5-5 right now they can't figure out a way to win uh, past regulation but at least they're getting points so I guess that's the most important thing. Yeah. Uh, but Montreal I mean they were they they should have made the playoffs last season. What were they? I think I, I think, think they were, they like were a
0: I... couple of points out, right? That was the last I think actually it was the caps that gave them the final loss. Although I think it looked like they were like it was but they were like right in until the final week if I remember.
1: They should have made the playoffs. Yeah. I think they are either tied for or a point behind or something like that. They are right there for uh, – for, oh, they almost set a record for the amount of points a team had in the NHL without making the playoffs. Yeah, so they were at in 97 any,
0: or something. Yeah, it was, it was up there.
1: In any other situation, that would have been a playoff team. So taking – most of that team and now having Koko uh not in his rookie season, him having a year under his belt. You yeah. have Nick Suzuki who stepped up now for the, for the Canadian. Hey, Nick Suzuki
0: looks awesome right
1: now. He looks incredible. Yeah. And, You you take that you you inject that that rookie slash sophomore energy into this team, and all of a sudden, you know you had a playoff team before, Mm -hmm. and now you're looking like a real playoff, like a really solid playoff team. So that that those two teams aren't really surprising to me, but Buffalo, I mean, yeah, they had a great start to the season and now they're two, six and two in the last 10 games. Yep. So it, it's kind of a repeat of last season where they, they want, they had that stretch where they won 10 in a row and then they just sucked for the rest of the season.
0: Yep. So <laughs> both
1: looking, looking much of the same in Buffalo where they had, they had that hot start and now they're just, they're, they're sliding again.
0: Yeah. What do you make of the what do you make of the Bolts right now? I mean, the the weird thing is again, they have only played 18 games, so that's like they have 3 games in hand on every single other team in that division and 5 on the Maple Leafs. So, only 20 points, not great, you know, and they definitely haven't I think looked great, but I still think that's a team that, you know, they just have too much talent not to at least go on some kind of run, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not too worried about the Lightning right now if it gets to January And they're still doing this whole dance of being completely dominant one game and then just deciding not to show up the next game. They don't have a lot more questions. But right now, Kucherov is out. Their team is just kind of playing up and down. Uh, They have I mean, they're they're trying to plug and play as they go. Uh, And again, they've only they've only played 18 games at 20 points right now. And everybody above them, except for the Islanders, have played at least 20 games. Yeah. So to me, this it's not a concern right now. Toronto's a bigger concern for me because they played five more games yeah. than the Lightning. The Lightning have played 18. They're nine, seven, and two, That 20 points. Yeah, that number doesn't look great at 20 points, and they should be a lot higher than they are. But the Maple Leafs have played 23 games, and they're 9, 10, and 4. Yep. That is a bigger red flag for me than the Lightning are. So right now, in the, uh, November 21st, the Lightning are out of a playoff spot. Is that surprising? short? Sure. Am I worried? Not yet.
0: Okay. All right. Well, let me, let me ask you this then. The Tampa Bay Lightning finish in what place in the Atlantic Division by the end of the year?
1: That's a tough question yeah. because right now a lot of this hinges on what kind of run the Lightning are going to make. Because I f- I feel like, and I'm not, I don't have any inside so- hashtag sources or anything. I'm not a hashtag insider uh, with seven arts at the end of that hashtag. I'm not <laughs> I'm not pretending I'm, a, I'm an insider or whatever. But I feel like there could potentially be a coaching change if Tampa Bay does make the playoffs.
0: Yeah,
1: and. Which is a surprising thing to say because the Lightning have been so successful in in recent years. But they don't have the most important trophy. They don't have the cup. And to me, if they completely miss the playoffs with the team that they have, that would be
0: a huge,
1: huge disappointment. And that that would qualify as a firing, at least in my eyes. Oh, yeah. I don't know... I don't know how Tampa views that situation right now, but if it gets to February and March and they're still hanging on to, like, to, to being one of the last teams in the playoff race but are falling behind quicker and, and quicker by the day, we might be seeing a coaching change in Tampa Bay uh, at the end of the season. But it, but it, uh, your, to answer your question, it really depends on at what time yeah, they make they this run. If Kucherov comes back and they win, the you know, 8 of 9, uh, 9 of 10, or whatever, they're right back in it and there's no concern. Yep. If Kucherov comes back and they still p- are playing this seesaw game, then I'll have more questions and answers for
0: you. Yeah, okay. So let's go over to uh, our, our pal, the Metro Division. Um Andrew, are the Islanders ever going to lose in regulation again? It's <laughs> a great
1: question. I, I mean, I had Mike Carver on the show uh last week. He yeah. he ho- he hosts uh Seat podcast. He's a producer for On the Bench at TBS and we talked a lot about this on the show last week and I don't know, man. They're they're <laughs> 9-0 1 in their past 10 games. The only loss that they had was blowing a 3-0 lead to Pittsburgh a uh, couple weeks ago. Other than that, they've won. Yeah. All they did was win. Uh, no matter what, that I money think in they my mind, the I can never get enough. Goals in their last if, game,
0: right, and still came back and won.
1: Yeah, they were down four to two, uh, and I and I preemptively tweeted out that that uh, that Mike Carver is one and O oh in my stretch four segments, which I have on my show, uh, in which I said uh, the Islanders one. Of, I, I list four things, and of the four, which to use the biggest stretch, uh, and for one of them, I had the Islanders will prolong their point streak. I think it was either to December second week, December, something like that. Uh, and he did not, uh, and I, he picked that one, uh, because they, they're going on this West coast trip. Uh, and th- he, he thought, okay, there's no way that this was going to happen. And I think it was, uh, that, that next day at last Saturday, when the, when they were down two to the, to Philadelphia with like, Eight minutes to go in, in the game, yeah. and I tweeted out, "Okay, Mike Carver, if you're if you keeping if you're keeping score at home, he's one to zero in stretch four, and then they came back uh, to prolong that point streak, and then they won. So uh, shame on me for tweeting early, but I, I, again, as I said on my as I say on my show about this uh, situation, the Islanders on paper don't look good. Their underlying metrics aren't good. Everything about that team suggests they shouldn't be good." And for the past year and a half of this team supposedly yeah. not being good, they've they're been are incredible. <laughs> they, yeah, they've been they've been more than good. Yeah, they've so been great. There's I don't I don't know what to make of this team. And right now they're playing on all cylinders. And the question remains. I mean, if they can, if they can, how long can they do this? Because right now it's 15 games. It's incredible. Uh, and they play. They're they're playing tonight at 7 p.m. at home against Pittsburgh, who they just beat in overtime. Uh, at Pittsburgh into on Tuesday. Pittsburgh is down a few a few players. sag is Buke said is hurt long term. Justin Schultz is hurt long term.
0: Yeah. They've
1: got their injury problems of their own, and they're beating up team right now. Uh, so my i i would guess that the islanders either win or prolong their point trick against pittsburgh but who knows yeah. I, the, with the with the islanders the i feel like the answer to that question is more of uh is more a question mark and kind of a shrug than a definitive answer because at this point they could they could just do this for the whole season who knows
0: yeah no and i mean they're talking about a team that has led up Forty-six goals this year. That's that's it. Like by like a deep by a decent about lowest in the NHL. Um, I mean it's that. I mean what Trotz is able to do with the defense there is uh, something else, you know. And I mean like I, obviously like you know the Trotz magic and the Mitch Corn magic seem like you know kind of just magic fairy dust or anything. And I you know you just wondered like is there something that the analytics aren't picking up with this team because. I mean, they might let up a decent amount of shots, but you look at kind of the high danger chances they give up, and they're actually, uh, I think, above average last time I looked at that. And so you wonder, like, maybe is there just, are they willing to give up the point shot and just kind of say, all right, you know what, we're just going to shut down the middle of the ice, you know, and really just be really tough and nasty to play against and uh, kind of be buoyed by elite goaltending there, you know?
1: I I mean, uh, Mike and I talked about this on the show last week uh, as well, and he mentioned the fact that, uh, the Islanders, as, if they have a lead going into the third period, they will shut you down yes. any which way to prevent you from scoring a goal. the The Their record when they've scored three or more goals is incredible. Uh, and this is just a team that, I mean, and we talked about analytics as well on the show last week, where... I kind of play this this angle of, and I and I agree with it. I wouldn't be playing an angle if I didn't agree with it. Sure. The, my angle was is that you, analytics are great. Uh, you cannot single handed, and I feel like no one is arguing. Uh, at least, if you, I mean, most people, yeah, uh, that if you look at analytics, you should only look at analytics. You should look at nothing else. It's it's just the numbers and the underlying metrics and all that. I feel like no one is saying that no. you have to use a combination of analytics and also. Uh, you, be, you you can't measure lucky bounces, right? You cannot no. measure and predict. Okay, so in four games from now we're gonna have a lucky bounce, and then in two games from now we're gonna have a bounce go against us, and you, like you cannot pre- you can't predict that. And then you also can't predict uh, leadership. You cannot predict locker room chemistry, locker room. You cannot predict and and map out certain things like that. So analytics are amazing and they should be used by, a- and they are to a certain extent by, by every team in the national hockey league. But, uh, and this is not the, no one is arguing again that you should only look at analytics, but there is a certain part that just physically cannot be measured by yeah. analytics like puck luck and, and chemistry and leadership and all this, that, that altogether comes into a 60 minute or potentially more, uh, hockey game. So, yeah, the metrics aren't saying a, a whole lot of great things about the Islanders, but so far, everything everything that cannot be measured mm-hmm. has been outweighing what can be measured, and that has been, I guess, the secret uh, for this Islanders team so far.
0: Yeah, no, it's interesting, uh, and I think it's going to be worth watching. That being said, though, and granted, there is a five a remarkable five-game gap in terms of games played. Despite going 14-0-1, they still have not caught the Caps yet, you know, and... I just said this and it's worth saying again, the Islanders have five games in hand. So you figure like there's some, you know, there's some kind of cushion there for the Isles to maybe catch the Caps at some point. You know, I wouldn't bet against that, but you know, I mean, we do have to talk about the Caps since we're a capcentric centric podcast. Um, I mean, it seems like the Caps, obviously last night, they didn't look too great, but you know, they're, uh, they're playing some pretty good hockey still, you know?
1: I mean, I'm a Rangers fan. I watched that game yeah. and if you didn't hit nineteen thousand posts, yes. <laughs> you would have won that game by a fair margin. So yes. the the box score is one thing, but in that second period alone, I think you hit four or five posts. Yeah. Yep. So if if those were a couple of inches to the left or to the right, this this would be a whole different conversation right now. Sure. So yeah, they lost. They they lost by. Just being unable uh, to to hit the net, uh, and I guess winning an All Star competition by just hitting more posts than anybody in in the history of the uh, in the history yeah. of the sport. It's like they I were trying to do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, yeah, unintentionally on purpose. Yeah. But this team is looking great. I, they've only lost four in reg in regulation in twenty four games, seven two and one the last ten games, and yeah. and that la- and last night's game was only their their second loss uh, in regulation away from home. They're ten two and one away from the rink away from their home ring, and this is a team that's it's hitting on all cylinders you got a avetchkin playing out of his mind you got carlson who is on my fantasy team hey luckily man a good call uh, he's for playing you. he's <laughs> playing at an all-time at an all-time pace right now yeah. uh he, he's uh, a very clear favorite for the norris right now so unless he gets injured which i hope doesn't happen yeah. uh but right now this is a team that with John Carlson playing well, you got Holpe and Samsonov playing playing well. You have everybody doing their part. And it's not just one person scoring a 1,000 points and then having the rest of the team not doing well. I guess uh, unless you're the Oilers with McDavid and Seidel scoring everything for you and then yes. <laughs> having everybody else... Try once in a while. But other than that, it's it's been it's been a two player show over in Edmonton. But for Washington, this is a team that uh, has been playing very well as a as a unit. John Carlson is third in the NHL in points scored. I mean, this is as incredible a <laughs> as a defenseman. Uh, he's only trailing dry and McDavid for the league lead in points. He's a defenseman. Yeah. I mean, this is this is incredible. <laughs> this is something that should not be overlooked, and it isn't overlooked. And if the Caps continue to play this way, they're going to be a very, very dangerous team. Come the deadline, it'd be interesting to see uh, if they tweak the, this lineup at all, or if they stand pat at the deadline. It remains to be seen. That's that's a far ways away. Yeah. But but they will be a very dangerous team if they continue to play the way that they have been playing.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, um, we're gonna use this chance to take a break here. So uh, on the other side, I will ask Andrew about the Garnet Hathaway situation. I've been putting this off, but I, I must ask. A, a spitting a. We're gonna we're gonna see if I can do a spit take here, and uh, you know, give our uh, give our uh, you know. I'm sure you're all salivating at the responses Andrew and I are gonna give about this. Uh, but uh, you're gonna have to wait for the break for that. And uh, we'll also talk about the West a little bit and uh, ask Andrew some teams that we should maybe watch. Uh, keep our eye on a little more. So uh, let's uh, just stay stay tight, and uh, we'll be back before you know it. Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. Uh, still here, joined here by Andrew. And uh, so we got to talk about Garnett Hathaway, depressingly. Um, I am, you know, it seems like I think you can both believe, and I think everyone does, that, like, spitting on people, not a great look, right? Like, don't spit on people. That's disgusting. But sure. at the same time, man, like, Three games seems like a lot, you know, particularly, I mean, every caps fan ever, we're going to bring up the Brad Marchand licking people and he got zero games. And I, like, I'm like, i somewhat sympathetic to the idea that like maybe you want to send a message that you don't want to get, you, you don't want this out of control. But three games does seem like a little harsh, you know?
1: I feel like both players should have gotten some sort of suspension. Brad Marsha not getting a game for licking somebody is ridiculous. Yes. But the the Hathaway thing, I feel like what they're doing with that is less about him and more about setting a precedent for the rest of the season. Because if if there's another situation in which spitting is happening, then they could point to that to the Hathaway suspension and being like, okay, If we gave them three games, if you do that again, we'll give you five games to somebody else. Or and it could three for for doing that might be a little much. But again, maybe if it was March or April, it might have been two. But because it's November and the season's long, uh, they they probably decided. I mean, I don't know. I'm not in that room. uh, But based on what I'm assuming uh, is a situation, they. Decided, okay, we're going to set a precedent for the rest of the season. We give Hathaway three games and c- kind of send a message to the rest of the NHL saying, if you do this, you will get penalized for it. And they should have done that last season with Marshand. They didn't do it, but I guess I, I better late than ever, right?
0: Uh, that, I mean, that makes sense. You know, like, I, I think it's tricky, right, because... I think it's easy to, as a cap stand, to be a little conspiratorial and say, well, it's Garnett Hathaway and he's like a fourth liner, so of course they threw the book at him, but I don't know, like, don't spit on people. Like, it's hard for me yeah. to, like, be really that angry about this because, you know, I mean, just from a pure self-interest standpoint, it's not like Garnett Hathaway is scoring, like, multiple goals a game, right? Okay. So, you know, and obviously they have a lot of forwards out now, so it's not ideal, but okay, like... It's not the end of the world to lose Garnett Hathaway for a few games. And also, like, again, I just keep coming back to this. Just don't spit on people. Like, is that, like, uh, you know, and I, I it, it's tricky because I think that, like, you have other longer suspensions sometimes or um, other, like, incidents that are, like, actually physically more dangerous. But, I don't know, like, spitting just seems like something you kind of have self-control over.
1: Yeah, maybe don't do that. Yeah. Don't spit Maybe don't do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't know,
0: that's uh, that's my that's my hot takes. Spitting on people is bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I would agree. Don't do that.
0: There you go. All right, that's good. That's good. Uh, well, hopefully we're giving we're giving people beer league hockey advice too. Uh, yeah, don't spit on people. Bad idea. Um, all right. So let's um get away from spitting, and um, I'm I'm gonna actually not make a spitting joke here. So I'm excited. We're gonna move on totally from spitting. Um, let's talk about like let's go out west a little bit. So the central division. Vlad Tarasenko goes out for the Blues, and you think they had not been playing even particularly well, if I remember correctly, immediately, you know, before he'd been going down, but that team has just been on, like, a pretty strong stretch lately. They are still leading the division, you know, it seems like the other teams, like, you know, the Avs are interesting, but it doesn't seem like there's another huge amount of threat to the blues, at least making the playoffs out of the division. So, uh, I don't know. What are your kind of thoughts? I mean, like I'm surprised on one hand that they continue to play well without their best offensive forward, but you know, I mean, they look at that team, they just have depth up and down in the lineup and, uh, it's going to be a tough out.
1: Yeah. And they've also traded Robbie Fabry to the, yeah. to, to Detroit for Jacob De La Rose, a trade that, has been incredible for Detroit so far Robbie Fabry yes. has been sensational for them in the few games that he's played for them and De La Rose I mean yeah I get it he's a he's a penalty killer I mean all right
0: but yeah.
1: but I, I I don't I I didn't get it when it happened for St. Louis it made all the sense in the world for Detroit but for St. Louis, I just didn't get it. I still don't get it. And, yeah, I mean, if you want to say Fabry just couldn't get the ice time in St. Louis, you trade him to to give him ice time somewhere else, like I get it. At least get a pick, man. Yeah. I mean, straight up for De La Rose is just a bad trade. Yeah, is It's objectively a bad trade. And you want De La Rose, if that's your guy, fine. Make Detroit give you something else. Yeah, You want De La Rose – cool f- whatever give me give me a fifth on yeah. top of de La rose give me some sort of tangible benefit uh, if we're giving you Robbie Fabry, because right now this was a huge—I mean, this was a swing and a miss. You knew it was going to be a swing and a miss when it was announced, yes. and it's only gotten worse for them in the past couple of weeks. And, and, and yet- it's not
0: like it was urgent for them to do it either, right? You're not like, oh, we must trade Robbie Fabry right now because he's not playing. You're like, that's not like there were huge cap ramifications from this. You wonder like why they had to do this now and why they couldn't maybe have waited a little bit.
1: I mean, I'm sure Robbie Fabry asked to be traded sure. at some point. It, this has been – this is not a, an overnight situation. That's this true. has been brewing for a while, and he's been wanting out of St. Louis for a while because he hasn't gotten the ice time that he felt he deserved, and he's clearly showing it in Detroit. But he, but despite that, but despite Tarasenko being out, this is, this team has been incredible – uh overall so far the the goaltending has been great uh the offense has been there the defense with justin falk has been uh showing the door so far for that for this team and so far i mean barring a collapse the st louis is definitely one of the safest picks uh for them to be a playoff lock and potentially even more than that
0: yeah no it's, they're they're interesting and then there's two other teams in that division that are interesting. I mean, one is the Avalanche. Seem like they can't keep a forward freaking healthy right now, and they're still playing pretty well. They're playing maybe one of the most exciting brands of hockey I would say right now. And uh, I mean, boy, if you don't get the chance, uh, you get the chance. Kale McCarr is something else to watch, huh? I I
1: I think he's in the is in the lead for rookie of the year. Yeah, he's been so good. He has to be your
0: Calder pick I think, for at this, this point team, right absolutely, yeah.
1: and you know, Kako getting honorable mention. He's been great. Jack Hughes has been great for, for New Jersey. Uh, Victor Olofsson can't score a goal five on five. So he's not getting my vote. I mean, he's, he's been doing great, uh, on the power play and that's fine. Five on five, Victor Olofsson doesn't do a whole lot. So f- at least for right now, again, it's, it's the almost end of November here. So this could change, uh, in a month from now and two months from now, this could change. But as of right now, Victor Olofsson isn't doing enough, uh, five on five to garner some attention for me personally sure. for, for Calder recognition, but Kale McCarr has been unstoppable. And you knew this last season when they, when they played him for a couple of games in the playoffs, this was something that was talked about. This was something that was hyped up about Kale McCarr and his game with Colorado. And he's shown everything about that and more. This is that this is, but if he keeps playing the way that he is playing right now there's no doubt in my mind he'll be a hall of famer i mean this is he's so good and yet he's so young younger than i am which is dating me and i don't like <laughs> how that feels but this he's sensational there's no he's every positive adjective you can you can use to describe a player he's he's the epitome of that he's he's awesome his skating is great as his, his hockey IQ has been uh, incredible as well, and that team—I mean—they're—they're they're missing a lot of offense right now. Landeskog is out. You have uh, uh, there's there's so much of this team that's hurt, and they're plugging and playing, and they still get it done. Yeah. So if if the NHL can't beat this team down superstars,
0: yeah, I can't see it's them scary when they them come back. with
1: their superstars.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh that's a yeah that's a fun team and I mean that is the the one game really with the caps where you're just like, wow like that was just a different level of speed than I'm used to you know like yep. that was like wow they just they play like there's such a fun brand of hockey that you know like they're gonna i mean they they are up there in terms of goals scored you know and everything like that just uh and they play a the kind of system that like just gets me excited to watch those games
1: i mean they are they are down. Yeah. Right there down Rantanen, yeah. Landeskog, Colin Wilson, Matt Caliber, and Tyson Jost. Yeah. I mean, this is this is half of their offense yeah. that they're missing. And they're still if if you do this to any other team, I guess I- excluding Toronto because most of their team is healthy and they still can't yeah. win games. <laughs> this is a team that is literally missing half of their uh their offensive talent right there. At least they're their steady yeah. uh you know, uh on the roster talent uh and they still can't lose. I mean, no. they you know they're not going ten and zero here, but they're 13-6 and through and uh, two through twenty one games. The, they've lost a couple here and there recently, but they won their past two in a row. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that again, if you can't beat them short handed, you will not be able to Watch beat them at full strength.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So the other the other team I find interesting in terms of they got off to a hot start, but have stealthily been terrible. Uh, I was not expecting the National Predators to be second from the bottom in the Central Division. So, and they have lost five in a row. You know, it's, you look at that roster and you said, wow, okay, like this is still a team that has a lot of talent. But again, we talked about this in the least. It's, 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 it's late early, you know? And uh, it, that is a team that I am intrigued by because, man, like they just don't look very good right now.
1: No, and a lot of this—I ha- mean, I don't know how much you want to pin this on PK Subban, sure, uh, not being on and not being in Nashville anymore. But I feel like he was a, another again for the second time of, of his career an unsung hero on the team that that traded him. Yeah, and I, this team is still very good. Their bottom six defensively not good at all. But I, I feel like a big part of the reason why Nashville's kind of stumbled out of the gate is you take an all-star off the team like PK Subban and you get not a whole lot for him. And you take, I mean, it makes a little bit of sense because New Jersey was one of, if not the only team that was willing to take on that full contract, but it is a huge hit to Nashville, at least in the short term by not getting a roster player in return I mean yeah. you get you got Santini but I mean that's clearly not no. clearly not a PK Subban no. so that is already a big step down and the the depth on this team is also a big concern uh you know that the top six is still is still pretty solid but other than that there's just yeah, there's kind not of down enough the lineup, there's there not yeah there, there's not a there's not a ton there that would scare most teams and Pecorino hasn't been great, and I've been no. yelling about this for a year and a half now. I, 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 this is the hell that I'm going to die on. A Pekarene will never win in the playoffs because he's not a playoff. He's not a playoff goaltender. He does well in the regular season, at least up until right now. And when it comes to the playoffs, he the the the, the biggest highlight of that, the biggest thing that I could that I could say to showcase Pecorino not being uh, a playoff goaltender is that Pittsburgh series where. Yeah he just he couldn't stop a shot to save his life and that to me put it you know etched it in stone that he can win 82 games in the regular season for all I care i don't i doesn't matter to me yeah show me what you can do in april and beyond and yeah. he and he has never done that and and right now he's not doing it in november nope. and that's scary
0: that is scary that is scary i feel like for me that game was uh the Winnipeg Game 7, I think it was a couple of years ago, where, like, the first two goals he gave up were just, like, you, you can't allow those. They're just, like, bad, you know, and so you're just like, wow, you know, and that was a game they, they lost badly, you know, and, uh, you know, that was that, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough, because, I mean, you're talking about, like, a guy who's won Vesitas, who very well might be, like, kind of on a, he's probably another, needs another couple of great regular season years. He's almost on a Hall of Fame path at this point, but Man, oh man, just can't seem to buy a save in the playoffs when he really needs it.
1: No, and there's the the argument is is that okay, well you need a team to win the playoffs and everything. That that's that's fine. That's yeah. that's a very valid thing to say. However, there's a difference between needing a team to take you to the playoffs. I said at the, at the end of the day, we saw it with John Gibson with Anaheim last season. Yeah. He was so good, and yet that team was dreadful. Well, yeah, there's at the end of the you you need some sort of team to take you to the playoffs. Yes, and with Pecorino, the team the team took him there, and he was great, and he was pretty solid in the, in the regular season last season too, uh, and and in the years before that. But once they get to the playoffs, it is maybe ten percent the team's fault. And ninety percent Pekarene's fault. Yeah. There's been multiple goals, like you said in the Winnipeg series, like I said in the Pittsburgh series. Yeah. I mean, this is this is, uh, re- I guess you could say, recency bias. But these are the biggest moments yeah. in Nashville Predators history. Yeah. And Pekarene has ruined both of them. Yeah. And that, to me, is all I need to see from Pekarene.
0: Yeah. H- harsh legacy for maybe for uh, maybe one of the greatest Nashville Predators ever. But. Uh... I think at this point probably a fair one. Um so final division here is the Pacific. And the Pacific kind of looks like it's upside down right now. Um I mean I I did not pick the Oilers to do this uh, basically on the strength of two players. Um obviously Dry Seidel and Connor McDavid who are just playing out of this world right now, but I you know I don't know. I mean like I, I you look at James Neal who got off to obviously a very hot start before cooling down a little bit, but I don't know. Do they have the horses to keep this up? Do they need the horses maybe with the Pacific maybe not looking as good as we thought it was going to? It is a question. It's a great, it's a pretty
1: good question. And then and, uh, a lot of this I feel like hinges on not Dry and not McDavid because you know they're going to score game in and game out. Yes. The, the question is not on those two guys. One of the biggest dark horses. I mean, if, there's no mo, there's no most improved player trophy that the NHL gives out, but Zach Cassian would win that award if if they did give that award. Yeah. If, if they did if they did give it away last season, 26 points in 79 games. This season he's got 16 and 23. I mean, this is a guy who uh from from what I understand. I mean, again, you could point to some of it and say, okay, well, it's McDavid, it's Drysital. He was there last season and he didn't contribute a whole lot of anything to that team. So far this season, this has been a completely different Zach Cassian than what we've seen throughout his NHL career. He was picked in the first round by Buffalo, a decade ago or something like that. And this is a, and we're finally just now at 28 years old, it's going to be 29 in January. This, we're finally seeing the Zach Cassian that was supposedly a first round draft pick all those years ago. He's finally contributing offensively. He's finally not taking dumb penalties. He's finally doing the things that a first rounder is expected to do. It's taken him 10 years to do it, but he's finally there, at least for the first couple months of the season that we've yeah. that we've seen. It could very well change down the road, but as of right now, Zach Cassian is is a big part of the Oilers' success. And oh, James Neal also is subtract Milan Lucic, who can't skate, you can't play hockey anymore. No, nope. if you, you, you inject a scorer who had a down year in Calgary into this in this in this, uh, in this lineup, who has been dominant on the power play. And now you also have a, a, a score in Zach Cassian. All of a sudden, you have a much more formidable offense than you had last season. And that to me is a big part of why they went from being a McDavid and dry only team to now. Okay. Well you have Ryan Hopkins who's still on the team. You have mm-hmm. now Zach Cassie to worry about you have James Neal to worry about. You have Darnell nurse who's becoming a better player. You have Ethan bear who's seemingly coming out of nowhere and he's been playing well for this team. Yeah, you know, there's, there's pockets here and there that were expected of the Oilers to a certain extent, you know, uh, Darnell Nurse was was expected to be good, and he has been good. There's been rumors about Ethan Bear in his game, and he's been delivering that on a whole lot more. So everything has been going well so far for Edmonton, and it remains to be seen whether they can pull this off for the season or not. But for right now, they're looking pretty good.
0: All right, all right. Um. Okay, so you also watch just a lot of hockey in general. So give me a team that you think we should watch more. Just you could incorporate some East Coast bias. I would imagine most of our listeners, although we do have some in California, uh, but most of our listeners are going to be on the East Coast. So give give us a team like maybe that we should watch more than we do. Well, I feel
1: like one team that maybe the East Coast doesn't know a whole lot about. And the West Coast definitely does is the Colorado. I mean, this is a team that plays such an exciting style of hockey they they completely destroyed the predators a couple weeks ago i think it was 9 to 2 or the final score was they destroyed them de- demolished them completely and this is a team that despite l- literally having half of their offense injured continues to put up goal after goal after goal yeah. and is playing a very exciting style of hockey and if they if they're playing or if they're playing your team watch out because this is a scary dangerous team with half of their offense out yeah. of the lineup Yep. and if they and once they eventually get healthy, if they get healthy this season, then they are a force uh, to be reckoned with. And for the East, I mean, there's a couple of teams here and there uh, that that you can definitely watch. I guess one team you could watch is the Islanders, man. I yeah. mean, this is it's 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 tough to you know I, I'm a Rangers fan f- from the bottom of my heart, so. But I try to be as obje- as objective as I can be. And the Islanders right now are the team to watch. When you have points in 15 straight games, it's difficult to find an excuse to not watch them. Yep. I mean, they've been down multiple times, multiple goals in the late stages of hockey games. And they have not only found a way to climb back from that. They found a way to win games from that. And if they and the only time that they haven't won in recent memory was again, you know, uh dropping that, that game against Pittsburgh a couple yep. weeks ago when they were up 3-0 and they lost in overtime. But other than that, they literally won every other game. They started the year one and three. Yeah. They are 15-3-1. Uh, this is a team that again, uh, they are they 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 find a way to score a couple of goals. And then they just completely shut you down, and there is no way you are getting past the blue line. And if you do, you're not going to have a good time because yep. you're not going to be in there for a long period of time. Yep. So the Islanders points in 15 straight games are 14-0-1. They're past 15. Yeah, they might not be scoring nine goals a game like some teams are, to because they're giving up eight. Uh, cough, cough. Some teams that we have mentioned already. Yes. <laughs> uh, but as of but as of right now, even even though they might not be scoring in in bunches they're winning games and it's yeah. it's not a trap uh like we've like the NHL saw in the 90s this is not a 1 3 1 uh like we saw with Tampa Bay a few years ago before they went on this uh crazy run and this is this is a very very fun team to watch
0: yeah all right um okay so I to conclude this and I'm going to ask you about your Rangers um they I kind of had them I was maybe a little more optimistic than most I had them like, kind of outside, maybe looking in, but they were going to be in the wild card mix, was kind of my pick with them. Um, they haven't been great. I mean, they've been a little better recently. They're 6 3 1 in the last 10, which is solid. You know, I look at that team's defense and it's not great. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I, I don't know what I expected from that. But uh, I don't know. What are your kind of thoughts? I mean, obviously, Kako, I think has been a little up and down. I think his coaches have admitted that. Uh, but, you know, you watch them, I'm guessing, a decent amount. Um, so kind of, I don't know, like, is the defense as bad as, you know, we think it is and the stats seem to say it is? Or, uh, you know, do you still see hope for a playoff run at all? You know, or at least, a, you know, maybe a run to maybe make the playoffs of this team? Or do you think they're still probably a year or two away?
1: I mean, I didn't expect them to make the playoffs this year in the off season, This sure. is not – this was not a year – in which unless they surpassed all expectations were going to make the playoffs to begin with. So yeah, I mean they they're they're playing well, they're playing better as of late. Uh, but again, if if Washington didn't hit all those posts in the second period of the last sure. night, then they then then they would have lost that game and we'd be having a different conversation right now. So right so as of the second, I mean they're playing okay. The the uh, zabina Jad has been hurt for a while now uh, but he was off to a a scorching take yes. uh, scorching uh start to the season and he's been out for a while. he I don't think he's gonna get back in the next couple of games or so but sooner rather than later he will be back in that lineup uh but that defense I mean listen you have Brendan Smith who i I am irate about. Because David Quinn continues to play Brendan Smith, who is a defenseman, uh, on the fourth line. And there's been a couple of games where he's played him on the third line. And that is something that cannot happen. It it, it doesn't matter how injured your team is. And this team is injured, but it's not not injured to the point of inserting defensemen and playing your third line forward. Uh, it's, it just doesn't make any sense. Brendan Smith. I mean, listen, you can train during an off season as, as a winger, you can do that. You can do that, but your entire career was dedicated to being a defenseman. So playing Brendan Smith as a forward, when he doesn't have the offensive IQ, the offensive capabilities as another forward, as a, as an actual forward would have diminishes the likelihood that you're. Depth scoring is going to contribute game in and game out. And so if you have that going for you, you sent down Leah Anderson to the minors because you don't give him enough ice time. Well, maybe if you stop playing Brendan Smith. Yep. <laughs> <and> put <played, laughs> Leus Anderson, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But yeah, we are.
0: Yeah. So and it's also strange too. I mean, like Brandon Smith, like you kinda know what I don't know, like you guys have young, fun players. Play those players more. Like why do you need to play Brendan Smith on that line? Like there's just no That's need a great that. question. Yeah.
1: It's a great question that I that I wish uh, I could ask David Quinn about. But <laughs> I, I just it, – it's such a question mark for me. Brett Howden is a guy who is, is still very young. He's only 21 years old yeah. but hasn't really done a whole lot of anything for this team this season. Yeah, he scored last night. But overall, I mean, I, I watched about as much of the Rangers as I possibly can. And he is invisible for the vast majority of – of the Rangers games this season. Yeah, he you know, he contributes here and there so far and he's very young. But at the end of the day, I don't really get why Brett Howden is giving is being given third line minutes and Elias Anderson is being sent down. But that again, that's a David Quinn question. That's not a question for me because I don't control the lineup uh combinations. I that's that I don't really understand sure. that. But but one of the biggest problems with the Rangers defense Besides Mark Stahl, who is injured, uh, but he he's just not good. Any, he hasn't been good for a while, but uh, he just hasn't been good, period, uh, is, Lindy, is Lindy Ruff. Lindy Ruff is one of the assistant coaches and is coaching. Uh, he's in charge of the Rangers' defense. And he is one of the biggest reasons why this defense has been atrocious. Mm-hmm. He There's been calls for his firing... For pretty much since his announcement that he was that he was being brought on board to handle the defense for this team, he has been horrible. That game against the Lightning where they completely stomped on the Rangers—I think it was nine yeah. to three—final score. <laughs> that uh, if you don't fire Lindy Ruff after that game, uh, I don't know what you're doing. I yeah. really don't. Lindy Ruff has is in charge of the of the defense, and it has been abysmal yeah. since he's taken over. And I don't know what else you need to see. If you're Jeff Gorin, I don't really know what else you need to see from Lindy Roth and this defense to make a change. Yeah. I really don't. He's still here. That That's reason number one why the defense is not good.
0: Yeah. No, I agreed. 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 All right, Andrew, this has been a blast. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, plug tip stuff. Where can people find your, uh, your various musings and work? I appreciate you
1: uh, letting me... Talk your ear off about some hockey, man. Yeah. Uh, whenever you want me on, I'm more than glad to talk some hockey with what you. What we're here for? Uh, my podcast is Chell Square. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, uh, Google Play uh anchor.fm overcast I mean, any,
0: probably an, you know anywhere
1: yeah. i mean carrier <laughs> pigeon i guess if you sure. wanted if you if you wanted uh, a text version of it maybe Smoke uh signals and,
0: maybe you know we'll, we'll yeah, that.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, anywhere anywhere uh, you listen to podcasts is where is where my show is and if there and if you use a site that doesn't have my podcast on it let me know. Send me a DM, and I will definitely put it on there as well. Spotify, also, I mean, it's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, it comes out every Friday. I have a new guest on every single Friday. Again, I have Dave McCarthy on. Uh, I'm coming. Uh, he's going. He's going to come on tomorrow. Uh, he were he. Uh, does some stuff for CSXM NHL up in Canada. So we're going to talk a lot about Babcock and a lot of other stuff uh, on Twitter at shell squared. If you want to follow me personally, it's at Chelney, Andrew C H E L N E Y Andrew, uh, where you can find a lot of stuff about, I mean, I, a lot of sports because I go. work in sports <laughs> and I and I enjoy sports, so that's what you're gonna get.
0: Always, always, always good to uh, good to enjoy the things that you work for. Uh, and I uh, will full, uh, fully recommend and enthuse everything. I think I follow and in, in, endorse. That's the word I was looking for there. Um, and endorse everything. Uh, I follow you both on to uh, both your. Both your accounts, which you do a good job of running a podcast account and a, uh, personal account. I don't know anyone else who does anything like that at all. No idea. I, I, I don't run the Japers Rank Radio account. That is just some random person that happens to like all of my tweets, just, just by accident. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, you do a great job with both those and definitely the show is, uh, worth checking out too. And, uh, yeah, Jason was on, I think, uh, two shows ago, right? So, uh, I believe so, yeah, yeah, definitely check out all that stuff and it's quite a back catalog there too. So, uh. All right, um, Andrew. Thank you on behalf of uh, myself uh, and Adam. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Japers Rink Radio. Um, if you like the show, you should rate, write, subscribe, review, carry your pigeon. I don't, you know, whatever. Um, you can also smoke
1: signal, like you said. I yeah, mean, whatever, exactly. Anything smoke works. Smoke
0: signal. Yeah. Um, you can find me at. Um, greg y underscore jr i have a new twitter name It was very exciting um my name my name tragically now is not brendan leipzig stan account uh my my actual name no that's uh that that lasted a day or two brendan leipzig you know maybe my favorite player in the history of the world just no exaggeration there but uh but yeah i mean uh so you can find me on twitter very easily and uh definitely hope you enjoy the show and uh stay tuned because we'll have uh more next week